Hey everybody, welcome to Literary Discount on Little Radio, episode 166, Babysitter Club. Today we will discover the book that, that started it all at 1986, Babysitter Club number one, Christie's Great Idea by Anne M. Martin. This is Literary Discount, the last book club you ever need. With Todd, Julia, and Ryder, three old friends who love to read, debate, and sometimes even agree. I am preschool student and dinosaur expert, Indy Strong. My dad is actor and filmmaker, Ryder Strong. Joining him, as always, a novelist, what? Novelist. Novelist and critic, Todd Goldberg. And essayist and radio personality, Julia Pistel. Thanks for listening. All right. So that was my son, Indy, introducing us. <laughs> um, mm. well, which is mostly because we're stuck at home with him. <laughs> I need activities <laughs> to do with my son. But also, you know, I, I figured it was a little appropriate considering uh, we're talking about babysitting. Which is right. what has uh, taken over my life uh, 24 hours You're not a day. babysitting. You're parenting. I'm just parenting. Right. Yeah, you're yeah. parenting. You don't want to enrage. Don't want to, to set off that grenade. <laughs> <laughs> that would be as bad as you saying you hate a book that you haven't read. <laughs> Never said that. Said I didn't like the movies. Oh, here we go. Here, let, me, let me get a blanket. <laughs> Um, I, I should note though, that I do have a history as a babysitter. I've, I did a little babysitting when I was a youth. Oh yeah. Yeah. My, 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 um, probably 11, my sister, Linda, uh, she got babysitting gigs frequently and, um, she would periodically take me along. I sort of had a, this might come as a surprise, a bad, um, sort of desire to peep through other people's lives. And so... (laughs) We'd go to the to like the Hayworths, and Linda would be taking care of the kids, and you'd be going through their drawers. And I'd be going through their drawers. <laughs> oh my god! Or I'd be like this eating all their makes cooking. A lot of sense. I'd be eating their cooking chocolate. Like this doesn't taste like chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> there was. I remember Did- once we uh, we babysat the Wangs. Um, so Elaine Wang was uh, Linda's my sister Linda's friend, and for some reason Elaine was gone, and so we had to babysit Josiel. And uh, Josiel still had Halloween candy left, and this was sometime in November, and so I just went ahead and took that. <laughs> Did you get in wow. trouble? Did, oh did yeah, your parents find out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So wait, you weren't really a babysitter. You were the younger brother tag along. I was the trickster. <laughs> the trickster transformer who tagged along and took candy. Did you ever babysit Ryder? No. Um, no. And I, I actually never even was babysat as a kid, which is kind of rare. Like, Whoa. I, I was I was babysat like once when I was like four, I think, because I remember my, my mom bringing this up to me like, oh, this was the one time we had a babysitter as this, you know, neighbor. Because uh, uh, I had my grandmother lived on the property with us that I grew up on. So she was always available. And then you know, my parent, my mom and my dad were just around, so I right. never really had babysitters because my dad was a firefighter, so he 
shifts were 24 hours. So when he wasn't working, he was home. And then my mom only taught like two classes um, for like an hour every week. So yeah, it was weird. Like I just never really had babysitters growing up. And, um, and then, yeah, I never babysat. I had no, like I was actually, that's not true. I did end up watching uh, some kids in my twenties, um, just family friends and stuff, but that wasn't really like a job, you know, but I would watch people's kids a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. And they were like teenagers already. Do you know what I mean? Watching. Like a third, like I hung out with like a 13, yeah. my, a uh, 13-year-old brother of a, a woman I was dating when her family was going through some stuff. I spent like two days with him, t- keeping an eye on him and 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 one of his friends. Um, I don't know, like, weird experiences like that. But no, it was never like a real babysitting job. Or, well, I but imagine, I imagine you must yeah, have Julia, been a I babysitter, you were running You were probably like the best babysitter. <laughs> okay, I'm not from Hartford. I'm from, oh, right. New, Jersey, from New Jersey. In a town right. much like Stony Brook, Connecticut. Uh-huh. Uh that is very suburban. Um, and I started babysitting when I was 11 um, for $3 an hour. Incredible <laughs> cash flow. Making it rain. <laughs> and I was a I was a good babysitter. I was a popular babysitter. I babysat all the way. I mean, I must have continued a little bit through college. Um, and in fact, one of the first jobs I got after college um was one of my babysitting clients hired me um to work at that travel company that i've uh, oh, traveled right, 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 right. to so and then also babysitting a, was like a, a major walker, feature which is analogous as we learned from reading the babysitters club mm-hmm. <laughs> yes much easier being a dog walker is a lot easier than being a babysitter but yeah i i babysat quite a lot um, so here's my question my mom, julia how do you feel about yeah. the idea of an 11 year old watching vega right now <laughs> I, I honestly because that's kind like, of a weird I, concept for me i don't yeah. know like you know what i love it you I, do this, like you would do I, it in a I heartbeat i mean in a controlled environment so <laughs> where i was there you know, and she right. left after 20 minutes <laughs> So that's a thing. That's called where the eleven-year-old was actually thirty-five. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually think um, you know it was such a oh man. I just can't wait to talk about this book because first of all, I've probably read it twenty times. Oh I've read God. this book so many times. Um, that, and that in and of itself is a problem. <laughs> <laughs> no, all right, we'll get to it. Um, but I, I think, like, how dated it is. Like, everything about this Babysitter's Club could never fucking happen now. Oh, yeah. Um, and it makes me really happy to think about, you know, 11 and 12-year-olds, like, kind of hustling. And I think it was a really good experience. Like, I was I was working. I was getting money. I was, like, learning to be responsible. And a lot of the babysitting was short. It was, like, now I understand from the parents' point of view, like, they would go out to dinner you know, and that's it. Right. So it was just like two hours here and there. Um, and, you know, I've observed kids hanging out with my daughter. You know, she's had a 10 a year old like watch her holding her while I'm in an improv show a couple times um, and different ones. And that and like she loves them. She loves them. She's into it. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Go for it. Yeah. Play with my kid. Um and so, yeah, I don't think it would be a big leap for me to have a kid I know who's like 12 like hang out with her for a couple hours. Someone who you have no. dominion over for the rest of their life. But like just a neighbor no. kid? 
Like just like, oh, yeah. I called I called Stacy with the diabetes and she came over. <laughs> yeah, I mean I, Which we'll get to in a minute. I, I, yeah, why not? It's, it's called hard it's, it's hard time. for me to wrap my head around too. Like I, you know, yeah, like with Indy, you know, we've always had fully grown people watching him when we go out. I can't, I've never even had the opportunity to hire a kid, but I I don't know. I guess now it wouldn't I guess it makes sense. Like my um my childhood babysitter is my Facebook friend. Uh Susie. Mm-hmm. Um Suzanne. Um she friended me like I don't know, 4 or 5 years ago and she sent me a bunch of old pictures from when she babysat for us. So she babysat for us, and then so after school, uh, my sister and I would go to her parents' house. They had a um, a big working farm ranch um, in Walnut Creek near where we lived, and we would go there and, you know, play with the horses and stuff. But she was a huge part of our life, and when when she, like, friended, us on, friended me on Facebook, and we started talking, you know, and... Like, I didn't know if she knew that my mom had been a lunatic, you know? And mm. basically, like, the reason she continued to babysit us for so long is that she recognized that our mother was a lunatic. So yeah. she was babysitting for us until she was in her 20s. And it was basically so, like, you know, someone here should be watching these kids. And she, this this is crazy. So my sister Linda um, had this favorite shirt. And my mom who, uh, like I just said, was a lunatic, when she would be um, really angry or uh, wanted to hurt us, she would take our favorite things and throw them away or destroy them. And she had taken the shirt of Linda's and thrown it away. And Susie took it out of the garbage and kept it for 35 years. Oh, my God. And so she finally found us on Facebook, and she contacted Linda and she's like, I have something of yours. I've kept it this entire time knowing that someday I'd see you again. And she had that shirt. Oh, that's amazing. Can you believe that? Amazing. It's amazing. So why didn't she give it back sooner? I was like, well, like I've been famous for a long time. You couldn't have found me. Linda could have had that shirt for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think babysitters are, you know, at this point, you know, like, 11 or 12 year olds would have a babysitter like we've shifted from trusting kids to like go through pre-adolescence and adolescence and have these like little tastes of responsibility and work and freedom um and danger frankly um and now it's like you know you're a a little baby until the day you go to college and then you're an adult that seems very overwhelming um but babysitters are such an important part of life, I think. I mean, Vega has a bunch of babysitters now. Um, There are various performer friends that I have who need extra bucks and are really fun. And, like, I do every year I do this um, big, like, crazy puppeteering dance performance, and there's two dancers in it who are sisters who will come watch her. And uh, they teach her ballet. They taught her the cha-cha slide, which I'm pretty mad at them for. Um, <laughs> because now she's obsessed with it, but, um, it's great. Like they really enrich her life in a way that's different than a teacher and different than a parent and different than a sibling. Um, and it just, it feels like a community, you know, takes a village kind of feeling, right. um, to have, to invite people into your home to help you raise your kid. I don't know. I like it. Well, in that spirit, we should dive into this, uh, Sociological examination of the underbelly of the babysitting world. (laughs) 
Hey guys, it's Julia. You were just listening to me, so you know who I am. Uh, well, I prefer to spend my time reading about Hobbit's second breakfast or 19th century luncheons to actually cooking anything or everything. Um, and cruising around a grocery store really cuts even further into time I could be spending leaping through an old Sweet Valley book, as you do. That is why I gave our sponsor Every Plate a try. It's a meal kit that shipped right to my door, and I made three meals that were both delicious and super affordable. One meal is the same price as a cup of coffee, which is good because I need my coffee money for more coffee. And I'll tell you guys, I've gotten food a lot of ways, and this one really is really affordable. My Gouda pork burger was really good and set me back only a couple bucks. I said books, but... I, I guess I'm just Freudian slipping books into everything. Couple of bucks. So, you guys can get three weeks of EveryPlate meals for only $2.99 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering the code LITERARYDISCO3. Let me say that again, just so you can find a pencil and write it down in the back of Middlemarch. Get three weeks of EveryPlate meals for code LITERARYDISCO3. I bet you this is going to be, like, one of our most listened to episodes. People are so into the Babysitter's Club. Yeah. You guys want to <laughs> summarize it for the sure. people? So, it's about uh, 90 minutes, the end. Maybe. <laughs> uh, Christy's Great Idea is the title. And also and, um, the entire story. It is the entire story. Christy has no, an idea. there is a mystery. And guess what the idea is, guys? Also in the title. The Babysitter's Club. Um, but it's not revealed for 60 pages. And <laughs> okay, she creates a Babysitter's Club, and uh, they babysit people. Yeah, um, that's about that's it. The conflict in Christy's life is that her parents are divorced. <laughs> and her mom has found love. Her mom has found love. <laughs> that is a problem for Christy. And and then there's the one friend, Stacy, who's part of the Babysitter's she's Club. She's She's new. She's new. You can't yeah. trust and her. She, and she's like a she's, model. <laughs> she seems to be lying about some things and on a diet, which is edgy and weird. And uh, Stacy and Claudia are into boys. And hats. Even though they're still 12. And hats, hats and fashion, which is another source of conflict for Christy. Um, but they're, they're, that's that's the basic plot. Uh, and then there's babysitting. Lots of babysitting. A ton you know, of babysitting. <laughs> adventures in <laughs> yeah. babysitting. Um. Yeah, I, I I thought it was totally delightful. This was not. <laughs> yes, I was Ryder. not. I was not. I, I was afraid that the Babysitters Club would be like Sweet Valley High, which filled we read with, yeah. five years ago, filled rape. with date rape and <laughs> what was it? It was also like some crazy plot to like to pin a to, to pin a rape on another guy. Well, no, there was that, but there weren't. <laughs> wasn't there like some town plot? Like they were bulldozing the. The, the part of the town to put up condos or something. Oh, like, I feel like yeah, there was, was some, like some sort of it was like a villainous plot. like gentrification. Right. I don't know. But like this had none of that. This was literally just like 12 year old girls being 12 year old girls starting a business, which is awesome. Being like yep. totally in charge of their own lives and like successful. And, and then like all the things that I was kind of like, Oh, that's a little weird. Like the diet and, um, you know, discussing like all that kind of turned out to be pretty great. Like it, t- it turns out, Spoiler alert, Stacy has diabetes, so that's why she's dun, 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 dun. not yeah, eating the, candy. The greatest twist since the sixth sense. <laughs> <Yeah>. Stacy has <laughs> diabetes. Stacey has di- <laughs>
I it brought me fucking back. I I was imagining you guys like actually thinking she had an eating disorder. Yeah. Like fucking Stacy. She's been lying about her glucose. Why is she lying about it? I don't no. I really don't understand. She's ashamed of having diabetes. Okay. All right, sorry. Yeah. Uh, I will jump in on that point, but first yeah. I want to hear Todd what you thought. Well, <laughs> it actually made me feel nostalgic for being uh this age. Um mm-hmm. and and like, you know, the idea that you could start a club and like it could be a thing. And, and, like, you could contact the newspaper and put a notice in about your club <laughs> and the yeah. idea that you could get pizza for $3. Like, oh, these, like, that made me sort of... <laughs> pass out flyers, like, having to go around. Yeah. Landline phones. Like, all, there's right. a lot of stuff. Um, but I was also just sort of fascinated by, like, oh, this is edgy because there's a lot of divorced people in it. And, <laughs> and talking about divorced people falling in love again like that that's the vanguard it's like perks of being a wallflower over here with right. all the divorcees <laughs> like oh right. god what's gonna happen with my mom and watson um i so i i had this vague notion that they solved crimes in the babysitter's club like <laughs> no they don't like they I, babysit. <laughs> I thought that there was gonna be like a like a hardy boys nancy drew element to this so i kept waiting for like Watson, who is her, is the main character's mom's boyfriend, to end up, you know, dead, or he his ex-wife is dead, or, you know, someone's bicycle goes missing, or something like that. Or Sam, Christie's brother, who's a stone fox, something happens to him. Um, he's 14, he's so hot. He's so hot. Um, <laughs> but in fact... Was anybody else disturbed when she's like, "Yes, he is pretty good looking." Yes, <laughs> like, because there's, she couldn't say that about her friend. She's talking about her friend who is attracted to her brother, and her brother says, is attracted to her friend. And she's like, "I don't know what he saw in her, but he is pretty good looking." There, there were like, a couple really? moments. That's of, okay to talk about. There was a couple moments where I felt wildly uncomfortable. The, <laughs> the big one being when. Children forced Christy to kiss her mother's boyfriend. Yeah, that, that I was found a little, a little troubling, <laughs> frankly. Um, I got a little uncomfortable too. I got so I I came in with the misapprehension that there was going to be a crime to be solved and not just sort of a series of of babysitting adventures. <laughs> and then there was there was a vague supernatural element that I was un, unprepared for, <laughs> which we can get to the witch next door. The witch next door. Um, <laughs> but I was like, I, so you, you weren't reading this when you were 11. You were reading this when you were seven, right? Yeah. Probably eight. Okay. Ish. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> we, I think this book for the target audience and uh, like really just reading the People first one read. and what's meant to be a series. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, <laughs> People who are learning to read. Listen, it's okay. You're not the one who has to bring a new reader into the world, Todd. <laughs> you know? That's true. Uh, but anyway, um, the I love these books because they are a very real representation of the concerns of a 10-year-old. Right. You know, my, my friend is older and cooler than me, and she thinks I look like a baby. Yep. Um, things like, I mean, that is real drama right. um 
the divorce stuff is so dramatic and hilarious. Um, but like the personal tension of Christy, like having an idea, wanting her idea to happen, being kind of impatient, um, and not being able to kind of like shoehorn it through without a little bit of emotion like that is so it feels so real to me although it is possible that I read so many of these books that it just became my reality and now <laughs> I think like that but at any point do they I, I begin was, to solve crimes or are all like 70 of no, these fucking books just no. them babysitting people they're all emotions but I will <laughs> say um I kind of wish I had made you guys read more than one because this won't surprise you. They rotate through the different points of view. And um, um, Anna Martin is a real person, I think. She's not like a composite fake ghostwriter person, at least for the first few books. Um, and the points of view are really different. So Marianne Spire, who is our shy girl, um, she she has a very different life than Christy, who's very, like, brash and sloppy and outspoken and, like, a leader. Um, more babysitters are introduced later. There's Dawn, a hippie transplant from California. Um, there's there's a couple others, Mallory and Jesse, who come in, um, who are a little younger, even younger. They're, they're like, 10, I think. Oh. Um, who then and- should not be caring for children. A 10-year-old should not be caring for your child. A 10-year-old should be watched by Ryder Strong. <laughs> He's busy. Through the television. Like um, no 10-year-old should be watching other children. If you if if you don't yet have a sense of morality, you can't watch another child. That's the rule. Isn't it? Well, no one can argue that Christy doesn't have a sense of morality. But if like, you're 10, sh- like what's a 10-year-old know? I mean, well, most of it, though, I mean, you're talking about most of the time they're watching a kid who is sleeping while the parents go yeah, to dinner. Yeah, you know, they're that's watching not, a four-year-old. That's not creepy old. at all to have some no. 10-year-old watching a no, sleeping child. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically like, don't let my kid die. Right. That's it. That's don't the bar. Don't let my child these, drink poison, basically. Yeah, don't let them choke on These are parents who have a very low bar. Right. Which... I guess I'm one of them. Now, because now I would also do it. granted, like this, all this is happening like on two streets, right? It's like everyone's in walking distance to one another in this story, basically. Mm-hmm. So if something mm-hmm. terrible were to happen, say, to some of these small children, in theory, they could walk across the street to Stacy's Vacocta parents who cover for her lies and say, hey, <laughs> little Andrew drank some antifreeze, call 911. <laughs> Right. Okay. You have a lot of concerns. Ten year old. I mean, hold on. First of all, they're twelve, right? They are twelve. The girls are twelve. But Julia said that in in later iterations, ten year olds come in. Yeah. Because I mean, I I yeah, a twelve year old would would be able to call nine one one themselves. Yeah. Like they could figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. A ten year old is especially on a landline. Right. It's just you just you have to dial it though. So listeners, there used to be a thing that you dial. And I'm making a motion with my hand. Yeah, that's you're doing dialing. it physically, like as yeah. if they can see it. Yeah. So, so take your finger. So, yeah, let's and do a like a 45 degree angle. <laughs> let's move to Claudia's room. Okay. As long as we're talking about phones, because Claudia is the greatest character in literary history, in my opinion. Almost completely based on her outfits. A lot of hats. Um, a lot of hats. There is she a wears, whole blog about. Is she this. the one that wears suspenders and plaid pants at one point? I was like, ooh. Yes. Yeah. She, suddenly, like so, I feel like I'm watching Blossom. She dresses like a in mime. The 90s. 
This is the I put this on my Instagram because I I just laughed so hard uh, when I read this. This is the introduction of her. Uh, here we go. I rang the Kishi's bell. Claudia came to the door. She was wearing short, very baggy lavender plaid overalls, a white lacy blouse, a black fedora, and red high top sneakers without socks. A black fedora like <laughs> she shields in Yarnell. What the hell is she wearing a fedora? <laughs> wait, wait. Her long black hair was carefully arranged in four braids. Who has ever worn four braids? No one. That's not the even like Bob a Marley. Star Wars character. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Claudia's. she's got a phone. She's got her own line in her room. She hides candy all over her room. Yeah. Um, yeah. Variety she's a great of candy character, too. It's always honestly. different candy. Yeah. Jawbreakers, yeah. licorice. Yeah, it's like she it's like she robbed a artisanal candy store and keeps it under her bed. <laughs> but yeah, she's she's not she doesn't fit in the mold of I mean, actually yeah, I I don't think any of these characters really do. And maybe I think that because I've read the books from all their points of view. But, you know, like we've got an Asian American character who's really like funny and fun in her own way, but she doesn't fit into any stereotype. Um, Stacy is the hot girl. She would be at this, you know, if this character were written now, she'd be like in Pretty Little Liars or something. But in this book, she's like an insecure you know, girl with diabetes who, listen, I I took the wrong messages from these books as a child, which is like, <laughs> the message is supposed to be that even girls that are cool have problems, but the, what I interpret as was diabetes is cool, um, oh which was a bad can, can we go, Can we go back to Claudia for just one second, though? Yeah. I'd like to read my favorite paragraph about Claudia, which I yeah. had to, I woke Wendy up to read to her last night. <laughs> Uh-huh. Claudia's parents are originally from Japan. They came to the United States when they were very young. Claudia has silky jet black hair, dark eyes, and creamy skin without so much as a trace of a pimple. She's absolutely gorgeous, but she has this wild streak in her <laughs> that makes her buy belts made of feathers and wear knee socks <laughs> with palm trees on them. <laughs> yeah, and? Makeup with something what new, about- what about when they're having a big fight they have a big fight in this book and um one of them is like you wear sheep for earrings and claudia just goes sheep they're in in. (laughs) i love that that. what's gonna be in next week pigs (laughs) yeah well i actually you know i mean like i think that that is the best part of this book and it's the part that ages the best is the tension of 12 year olds being friends like Mm -hmm. i love that stuff i love like what was the movie that came out just last year? The Good Boys, um, which is sort of an R-rated coming-of-age movie. Uh, you guys oh, didn't see that? Yeah, it yeah. was actually really good, but it was if it, it it was you know an R-rated version and a boy version of this same tension, which is like that age where you're not an, you're not a teenager yet, and but you're still you're not a little baby anymore, and everyone's I'm sort of doing that girl. at different different times, you know. So the tensions between the girls, like I was like, oh, this is. This is the part that's still going to be relatable to kids reading this now. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know if that's true. Yes, it's true. I don't I think, think I don't been... think though, that it's relatable in the sense that someone would have an idea to start a club, and it would take them 60 pages <laughs> to explain that idea to the people that are going to be in the club. 
they just text it right when they had the idea. Right. I'll tell you later. That's true. I don't have time yet to tell you. I'll tell you later. Hey, I mean, it's in what the fucking title. It's the, the club. The it's a babysitter flashlight club. messages that take like forty five years to send yeah, to right. each other. I remember doing that <laughs> stuff though. Like that's Morse realistic code. to me. <laughs> well, Morse okay. Here's code. my question: Why is it a club? Not an LLC. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, why not a company? Like she literally says it at one point. Like it's kind of like a company, and I'm like, you're a company. Like you're company. starting a company. Like why is it called a club? It doesn't. Well, probably so that child have to labor. Pay. Yeah, and so they didn't have to pay taxes. <laughs> for, ta- for tax reasons, they probably didn't want to be a, you know, a 501c3. Yeah. Because everybody wants to be a part of a club. Right. I think right. it's just very appealing. And right. I know that, I mean, I didn't start a babysitter's club, but I know that there were thousands of them, of girls who followed this idea. And now is the part where I admit, like, I... I think that there is a line to draw between me being into these books as a kid and owning a small business that runs <laughs> not unlike this now. Um, I really do. I think there's like a yeah. huge feeling of empowerment and like, okay, this is how, this is how you do it. You just you just have an idea and you set it up and you market it and you think it through and you work together to solve the problems about who gets the jobs and how you divvy the money and all that stuff. And then you just do it. Um, It makes starting a business seem very possible, which is not true of a lot of, I, I don't know how many people really feel like they know how to start a business. And I feel like in part because of these books, in part because of some other things, um, I feel like, if I wanted to start a bookstore, for example, in my town, like I would know the the some of the steps to doing it, um, and it wouldn't feel like this unattainable, like just thing that other people do. The Babysitters right. Club makes makes starting a business something that you can do in your friends. Inspires bedroom. the entrepreneurial spirit, right? Yeah, yes. but it also, I mean, on a more a more challenging level it also goes a long way towards trying to trying to wreck your mother's love affairs there's a lot about that yeah, yeah. yeah. which is healthy um, which is yeah like it doesn't don't let work your, really wedge yourself in there. yeah don't let your unhappy mother find <laughs> displace, love again displace your feelings about your dad who abandoned you right and put them and instead. project them onto this nice rich man <laughs> potential stepfather who's awesome named watson yeah. Yeah. Who makes fondue for you? Yeah, f- fondue by the way. I would murder some fondue. That's the thing I miss most about the pandemic is a lack of dipping cheeses. Um <laughs> How often do you eat fondue in your regular life? Well, I'm lactose intolerant, so not that often. <laughs> Chocolate fondue. Chocolate fondue, a wine-based fondue, a bourguignon. Um, but uh so Christie's a terrible human being. Christie's, Christie's, Christie's going through some She is the worst of all of them. Yeah, Christie's legitimately a, a terrible human being. She does terrible things to her mother. She does terrible things to try to force her mother to end a relationship with a man who clearly cares about her. She uh, doesn't even eat food she likes because Watson brings it over. Right. I mean, she's, well, I mean, she's a horrible... She's like Amy from, um, from Little Women. She's a, a monster. She's a monster. Todd, get on the fucking new bandwagon where Amy's the best. Where have you been? I, Your opinion is so 2019. I'm, I'm canon. <laughs> I'm canon with Amy. Amy's a monster. She burned um, her book. 
I'm sorry. All right. Let's focus on Christy here. What's important, guys? Uh, what, what, what's weird to me, to me about that is, like, nobody holds Christy accountable, really. And she changes just because she kind of changes. Well, like, after, after there's she's no, like, forced to... Kiss, to be with her, <laughs> no, but it, it's. It, I just was kind of like, oh, there's all these tensions, and then it would just be like, and then Christy would be like, eh, I wrote a note and apologized. I felt okay, you know. I, I've realized I had done a bad thing. Like and the mom never punishes her really. Like no one ever really. She just kind of changes her mind and realizes she's being a brat. Right. Um, so that's my criticism up. of the plot. It's growing up. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't oh. think the uh, character arc. Christie's character arc was fully earned. I'll no. just, there, I said it. No. Um, well, and that's the thing with these books that are designed to be a long series. Like we don't want her to grow. Really, we want her to tell that to Watson. Continue who's almost to, had to be live this... the rest of his loveless life without the woman <laughs> of his dreams. I, I honestly had the idea. I was like, somebody should write a, a, a book from Watson's POV. <laughs> Oh my god! How great would it be? Because everybody who read this book will have a memory of like certain events, and then you can just filter it through Watson. Uh, I was like, that would so, be a bad short story, at least. This is a good opportunity to talk about the witch. Yes, um, that lives next door to Watson. I like that. Yeah. Um. What What's going on here? Well, the so way I look at it is okay. The, the The joy of this book, like the what this book promises a young reader. Beyond the like entrepreneurial, like I can start a company and I could, me and my friends could do something. It's the episodic nature of babysitting, right? Like you're going into right. somebody's house and something weird is going to happen. Right. So this book has like three or four of those, like where it's like you show up and you're supposed to watch Buffy and Mix, Minky or whatever, <laughs> Buffy and Pinky. And then it turns out that they're dogs. <laughs> you know, I, personally, and I thought so they, they were created... going to be parakeets. I was surprised that they were dogs. I thought they were mm. going to be birds. Yeah, huge plot twist. Um, <laughs> aren't hard to babysit. No fight, tension fight there. Fight club level twist. They yes. Were, they weren't birds. They were dogs. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. So, I mean, I, I just took the witch as like one of those, you know, like obviously they just have to, she just has to create weird babysitting experiences and one of them is that there's an old lady next door where everybody thinks is a witch that's cursing i don't know i'm sure i read the preview for what the next book is going to be about and it's about a phantom caller so i feel like the the book the these books probably always danced a little bit around horror and mystery just to be intriguing let me read a little bit about the witch next door it's mrs porter and she's an honest to truly witch mrs porter isn't her witch name though her witch name is Morbida Destiny. The big kids on the street told me so, and she eats toads and casts spells and flies to witch meetings on her broomstick every midnight. It's a weird diction. I mean, an honest and doesn't... truly witch. The fuck does that mean? <laughs> that, that's that's not as weird to me as when they keep referring to people as divorced people. Yeah, like the kids. Are divorced people. Yeah. It's like the whole oh, family yes. is like considered a divorced person. I was yeah. like, what? Yeah. Well, are you no divorced? one would talk like yeah. that now. Are you a divorced people? Yeah, we're divorced people. Like yeah. it's it's phrased like that in the book. I was like, that that would never fly today. But I guess it really was in the 80s, still the generation getting used to the 50% divorce rate in this country. Like now it's old it's hat. Really back weird. then, you know, it was still kind of like a taboo thing that, that marked yeah. you for life. Yeah. I remember when, um, so, in the 80s, my mom was, um, this is bizarre, but when we were still living in the Bay Area, my mom was named one of the sexiest divorcees in 
in the Bay Area. And like that is ridiculous. Like there was a feature story in the Oakland Tribune about like the sexiest of four says, and there was like five women and five guys that were the sexiest people that had their that walked away from their marriages for whatever reason. And my mom had it like framed in our house for years and years, and be like, oh, that's oh, weird so- fucking thing that is. <laughs> that should be the cover of your memoir. Just that article. <laughs> Just reproduce so the article as the cover of the. Uh, that's not a bad what idea, frankly. I, sh- I gotta go find that. I'm sure it's online somewhere. Oh my god. What part of that label would you guys even have been proud of or wanted to connect with? Right. That no, she's sexy nothing. or that she's sexy and forced. And like in the article, the most embarrassing thing for a kid in the eighties. Yeah. And I like I remember the article is like you know Goldberg, mother of four, lives in Walnut Creek, and you know the house that she. Bought with her former husband, anchorman Alan Goldberg, and I'm like, even now, I'm like, why would they put that in the paper? Like, what a weird <laughs> thing! Like, what did she want it in the paper? Well, because of, she was soliciting. Yeah, my my yeah. mom always wanted it in the paper, whatever it was. <laughs> like that was that was a given. Notoriety. Yeah, yeah. but like, <laughs> like I remember the mention of the house, like that. It like, don't worry, they got a place to live. So sexy lady isn't going to be taking her four rotten kids and moving in with you into the condo in Sunnyvale. Like, the fuck? <laughs> wow. Uh, wow. All right, sorry. Did, uh, did, did we finish with the witch? Did we, uh, did we I don't even witch, know. Or? I assume the witch is, you know, addressed more lady. later. I don't really remember. Yeah. Um, But it seems pretty clear she's just growing catnip in her yard. Yeah. And that's it. And she hates these rotten kids and their dumb dog. Can we? But let's let's go directly to the elephant in the room, which is the the illness at the center of the story that propels yeah, much of the, the narrative tension. drama, um, which is that Stacy. All evidence suggests throughout the majority of this book that Stacy is hiding a profound secret, and that secret is probably anorexia or bulimia. Um, she's leaving a lot when food is brought in. Whenever there's a discussion of candy, she freaks out. She tells a series of lies about traveling back and forth to her former home in New York for a variety of reasons until Christy, Christy gets wise and she does the one thing that you never do. She calls Stacy's home and Stacy's not supposed to be there. And then Stacy's mom answers the phone. Stacy's mom is forced to lie about where Stacy really is and what Stacy's really doing. And then Christy being the amazing fucking amateur detective that she is, realizes <laughs> that Stacy is in the middle of some vast turpitude. And that's when everything begins to unravel for the Babysitter's Club, almost destroying the LLC before they even have to file their first tax return. But it's revealed that, in fact, Stacy does not have anorexia. Stacy does not have bulimia. And people, this book is 157 pages, and this secret is revealed on about page 154. Stacy has diabetes. Yeah, it's um so And it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. A lot of people have the sugars. <laughs> they just they just don't talk but about it. Why does her mom want to help her cover? I have no idea. Like why wouldn't the mom be like Kids deal with the fact that my daughter has diabetes. She doesn't Instead, have fucking like Legionnaires disease. Yeah, but all, <laughs> it's a true. I mean, look. I guess the whole thing is 
at the time. Okay, so 1986, no. right? Like anorexia and bulimia were that was the thing. relatively new things that right. were taking over the country and affecting girls' lives, teenage girls' lives. In the public conversation. In the public right. conversation. Right. After school so specials, all that shit. So I feel like, yeah, the the book was trying to be, you know, address something serious. And <laughs> yeah. I, I thought, you know, but then, yeah, to have it sort of not addressed at all instead of just, instead just have it work out by itself. <laughs> oh, it'll be addressed. <laughs> a little, that's a little lame. Does it, so Julia, having read several of these yeah. books, does her diabetes uh, ever come back in as an important plot point? Oh, yeah, yeah. So the third book is called the truth about stacy oh. and it's all about her diabetes um I, it's probably in that one but in one she like eats a candy bar out of peer pressure after a sports game or something um <laughs> or maybe she faints and has to eat candy oh, i just remember sports and candy um but no it's there's like pretty vivid descriptions of her having to do insulin injections every day oh. um it's like She's like the one with diabetes. Um, that's her thing. Also, that's my really my favorite Friends episode. The one. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think it's used uh, as a leveler. You know, like she's cool, but everybody has something. You know, they're grappling with, and she's just grappling with insulin injections. So, Chris, I think. I really um, missed a good opportunity here. Uh, one of my one of my oldest friends was in the Babysitters Club movie, <laughs> which I've never seen, and my ex girlfriend. I, I know two people who were in the Babysitters Club movie, and I've never talked to her about it. So Larissa Olenek, who was in Les Miserables with me when we were ten, when I was ten, and she was eight or nine. She played Dawn. Who's Dawn? Yeah, Dawn that's comes the in the cool second California book. transplant. I was telling you. Uh, oh, you're right. Okay, you did say that. All right, yeah. So Larissa played Dawn in the movie. I got to see this movie. I had no idea. Well, you got to see this movie. Is obviously, it good? we need to have uh, her on the show to discuss what it was that's like. That's what I'm saying. I realized I should have being an iconic had her character. call in. Yeah, I'm sure she's sitting at home right now, uh, quarantining uh, in New York. So it would have been very easy to get her to well, come on our I show. I mean. Why don't we read another one? Well, well, that's a that's I mean, asking a lot. There's, <laughs> I've got the, I mean, uh, or the quarantine the movie, to do, which is, and I got the. Um, we were gonna bring Will back to talk about. Something. We were gonna bring Will back. I've got it. You know, I've got indie. um feeling a little lightheaded, like I might have a. I've been baking bread again, guys. I've got. Uh, well, I know that the fans <laughs> you gotta read would be very excited. So you have to read Middlemarch. <laughs> Uh, no, I, know I, I would rather just watch the movie. We should just watch her. the movie and then have Larissa on and talk to her yes, about it. Yes, we should just watch the movie. I am completely down for that, but I do want to point out that the movie is probably a longer time commitment than these books. That's true, actually. Uh, you make a, you make a um, very valid point. But uh, let's do it. I mean, why not? What What are you guys doing? You're, I know you haven't started Middle March yet, Todd. Uh, I, I'm deep into that section about the furniture. Um. Yeah, I think at some point, if this goes on, there could be an opportunity where you guys read another one of these books. <laughs> oh my god. You know what's really weird, incidentally, is on the cover of this book, they have a Nancy Drew book on the cover. Um, 
Do, do you guys see that? Do you have the, the actual yes. print edition? So they have Nancy Drew there is... and The Secret of the Old Clock, which uh, which I own. I have that book. So yeah, didn't Claudia we read that? is yeah, we read into that. Nancy Drew. Yeah. 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 We Claudia's into Nancy one. Drew. That's the deal. Yeah. Oh. And yet they it's don't solve any crimes. In this book. Guys, I know three more people that were in the movie. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Tell Who us else? all the people you know. Marla, Marla Why, were you in it? No, but I mean, this is this was just when I was a kid actor. So everybody right. I knew, like all my friends at the time, were in this movie, apparently. I had no idea. Ellen Burstyn's in the movie. Ellen Burstyn? And Brooke Adams, who's amazing from uh, Days of Heaven, uh, is in it. I, I worked with her when I was a kid, too. So, yeah, this is funny. This was just, I, apparently, like, I knew everybody. Yeah, Aaron Michael Mechik, who was, um, he was a, a fellow Gavroche kid uh, in another Les Mis production. So I knew him. He was like a pen pal of mine. Huh. That's so crazy. I have to see this movie. Ryder. Yeah, you're probably in it, and you forgot. Yeah, that's that would like, be hysterical. I feel like writers gonna scroll through and he's like, "Oh, I, I played, oh, I, I played play. Andrew. <laughs> I play. Oh, I was Boo Boo the dog. I voiced Boo Boo." <laughs> I have gotten residual checks for stuff I am not in. I, I like it's, really? I, yes, I got like a sixteen cents the other day for something, and I was like, "I this was not me. It was like an episode because you know I I." I you, if you work for a company and you did like like multiple Warner Brothers projects, they send you a quarter like a check for all the things. So like, I did a home improvement episode, and I'll still get like a dollar ninety four or something wow. once a year. So, but it'll list like you know, so like my whatever company I did, I think I was in the practice. Also was on uh, Nurses this TV show, you know, whatever. It'll list like all, and then it just listed like two that I had never been on, and I was like, oh, I just made sixteen cents for somebody. I don't know why. <laughs> I listed. I never did this job. Um, Somewhere, Jonathan wow. Taylor Thomas is like, motherfuckers, like, only sixteen. Damn it, cents. those are my sixteen cents. <laughs> 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 Willie Ames is pissed off somewhere. <laughs> well, do we have anything else to add to the Babysitters Club, uh, Julia? I I think this is delightful. I just want to say, like, I <laughs> think the, these books are good. Like, way be- like because Sweet Valley High was super like to me so superficial in the worst possible way. Yeah. Like, I think it, like while not much happens, I could see why like the procedural aspect of this is super fun. Like, yeah, it's like I can see like kids getting for babysitting. It. Totally. And like imagine that it's a hot summer day and Indy's at the library and he tears through three of these, you know, like wouldn't you be yeah. psyched? Totally. Be like, yeah, he's just chewing them like candy um and has a little seed in his mind that someday he could sit around a phone waiting for someone to call him and offer him work <laughs> engage him in the practice of child abuse basically leaving you <laughs> in the hands of a unqualified unskilled worker with <laughs> with your child who will feed it gluten probably here you have a peanut allergy have some peanuts <laughs> i wonder did Todd, you i think did they end up like going ever down like a more dramatic path like you know did they did they end up having like the cancer and the you know or the abused person or like i mean because it seems inevitable like by book 30 i don't know how many of these books there were but it seems like they would start pulling the dramatic strings a little bit more drug addiction there were at least a hundred um and she wrote them all i'm not sure Mm. this is where my expertise sort of drips (laughs) away um but I will look it up. 
and we will talk about it with Larissa yeah. when we have her on. Um, is this woman still I alive, do... this Babysitter's Club woman? Does she still walk this earth? <laughs> I don't know. You think We're we would do some research before we record an episode? <laughs> well, let's see. She was born in 1955, so she's probably yeah. still still with us. She's probably doing um, really well. She made she a lot of money. She has million books in print, so she's doing oh, fine. Oh, God. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, she's doing fine. Uh, oh, she's also the author of two other series, Main Street and Family Tree. Wow. Oh, Main Street. I think I read a couple of those. She lives in upstate New York with her dogs and her cats. Okay. If you stacked all of these books up, the pile would be 21,000 miles high. Wow. That's weird. Good for her. <laughs> these are for This bio is for kids. It's not for you, Todd. It's a strange detail. She grew up not far from you, Julia. She grew up in Princeton, New Jersey. That's why it feels so so present in your life. Yeah. Huh. Yes, this is in my tri-state area. This is, you know. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I got something my, to do tonight. I'm going to go down the rabbit hole of Anne M. Martin. Very good. Glad to keep you entertained. Now, speaking of being entertained, we should tell the listeners our next project. I already put it on our Facebook, and there's some excitement. Yes, I tweeted it um, out as well. We are following up the very serious and, and, and long Babysitter's <laughs> Club book with something frivolous and lighthearted and quick to read. Middle March. Middle March. So, yeah, so we'll be reading um, Middle March in, in uh, installments. And listeners, don't worry. This isn't just going to become a Middle March podcast we'll do other stuff as well right right that's right 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 definitely okay yes but i uh so middle march has is conveniently divided into eight parts each of which is about 100 pages long so we will do my prep proposition is that we do one short episode per book okay uh sound good yep i can do that i'm already halfway through book one and it's it's good. It's really. I'm good. um, yeah, looking, looking forward to that. Listen, <laughs> we offered you Moby Dick, and you turned it down. Look, I'm happy to read it. I, sh- I probably should have already read it. As a person who um, reads books, reads books, teaches creative <laughs> writing, has their own graduate school. It seems like a an empty spot in my learning. So yeah, this Moby Dick. Let's not. Have you let's Anna not. Karenina? I've read that. I've read that. Okay, good. Yeah, she's great. It's a it's a good story about sort of like a you've got mail situation. That book, you guys, you guys should yeah, read it. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very cute. Literary Disco is produced and edited by Justin Alvarez for Lit Hub Radio. You can reach out to us directly on Twitter at Literary Disco. Happy reading, everybody! Thanks for listening.